Oh, wow. It's just, honest, honestly, I, I just, I have no words to describe the joy of being able to be here right now. After like 2.5 years of living hell in the UK, where I've been writing my doctorate to be here with you, let me just say it brings me so much joy. And I wanted to start with honoring. As the Bible says, you know, show honor where honor is due. And none of us is an isolated individual. None of us is this special speaker that, you know, lives in the clouds. Like, we're all just these raw human beings trying to serve Jesus. So I want to honor, first of all, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. In my story, yes, the Father and the Son have been incredible, and I have a deep intimacy with them. But the Holy Spirit from day one, never stopped advocating for me. Never stopped pushing me deeper into the love of Jesus and the Father. And as that gay, anti-Christian gay activist, <laughs> I'm telling you, he loves not just the whole of humanity, but a particular group, the LGBTQI plus community, he was unrelenting as my friend. And I credit everything I am to him. Everything. I would not be standing here today. The second group I'd like to honor is just the Wickhams. When I was wrestling on Twitter, as we all do, <laughs> um, Evan just appeared in my life, like this, this kind of torch, this blazing torch of bravery and Sandy's heart of worship and just deep desire to go for it. Together in a couple, it's like this sacred synergy that happened. And then I came to this church and I don't have favorites. <laughs> but I kind of do. <laughs> like this church is an encouragement to me in my darkest hours because of the Wickhams and the team that they've gathered around them, the depth, the holy reverential awe, and the just real love and the transparency. So honor there. The third group I like to honor as my side B, uh, gay Christian friends here, um, Greg Pike and particularly... Um, I just want to honor you, and I just want to say thank you for your bravery of just coming here and building that. Um, I can't tell you. I don't have words again. <laughs> so I just want to honor you, brother and brothers and sisters. <laughs> and the fourth person I would like to honor is my colleague from Oxford, Alberto Gazzani, who's here to support me. It's first time ever in an evangelical charismatic church. <laughs> and Alberto and I met straight after lockdown, and this joy just appeared of the Holy Spirit. We were just in Chicago at the North American Patristic Society. Yes, we're nerds. We like studying like church fathers and mothers from like the ancient... <laughs> centuries of Christianity, <laughs> and we were with one of the greatest Christian minds in the world. His name is John Cavadini, and he studies Augustine, and we're doing a project called Augustinian Resemblances to retrieve Augustine's thought for today, 
And the greatest mind other probably than obviously Jesus, Paul, then Augustine would be the greatest Christian mind that has like brought the gospel to the world. And so Alberto and I have this kind of sacred charism. And John Cavadini was sitting with us at this conference and he's just with tears in his eyes. He said, I don't really care about the funding or the blah, like all the logistics. He was like, there is a charism here from God. And that's, just before I start talking about the Holy Spirit, I think that's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He's just Jehovah sneaky. Like one second you're like, God, what am I going to do with my life? And like, where's the money and the logistics? And I'm I'm scamming, hurry up. And then it's like friend from Lombard, you know, from Italy, from the north of Italy who loves Augustine, who's a Roman Catholic at Oxford, who started an intellectual project. I would never have envisaged that. And so I just want to honor that friendship today as well. Um, so there you go. There are my honorings. So I entitled the talk today, God the Holy Spirit, the all-consuming, unquenchable flame. Now, often when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we'll use kind of elemental language like water, fire, oil. And there's this old clip of Stephanie Frizzle going, He's like the rain. He's like fire. He's like oil. I'm a charismatic. So I was listening to that on repeat. And I think this is a really important part of the Holy Spirit because there's a sensibility, there's a touch. The Holy Spirit touches us, touches our affections and transforms our hearts. He pours out the fire of Jesus's heart, the cruciform heart of Jesus that's been broken to love us and has been set afire by the Father with the flame of the Spirit. And he pours that fire into us, that love from the Trinity. And so... Yes, I'm all for the elemental description of the Spirit, but we have to be careful that that's not impersonal, that the Holy Spirit is a person. And I'm just going to read this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Have you made that all too common mistake of feeling that the Holy Spirit is only a divine influence in the world rather than a divine person? If you're to be an effective Christian, you must discard the idea that he is a divine influence in the world. He's a living person in whose very presence you are every minute. He is just as much a person as is God the Father or is God the Son. He's, he both hears and sees you in every word you speak and every move you make. <laughs> and it's not creepy with him. A full realization of this will mean a transformation in your life and Christian service. The Holy Spirit is not a mere something, but a divine someone. Once the truth of his personality and work are realized, there opens up to one a life of blessedness and power. Woo! And that's from his essay, The Personality of the Holy Spirit. This is the epistle of Ignatius to the Ephesians that I'm going to read as well. But the Holy Spirit does not speak his own things, but those of Christ, and that not from himself, but from the Lord, even as the Lord also announced to us the things that he received from the Father. For 
says he, the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And says he of the Holy Spirit, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever things he shall hear from me. And he says of himself to the Father, I have, says he, glorified thee upon the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me. I have manifested thy name to men. And of the Holy Ghost, he shall glorify me, and he receives of mine, end quote. I'm from Oxford, so I had to have some old English. Um, <laughs> everything the Holy Spirit communicates to us is everything of the Father and the Son applied to our lives as a person that we intimately know in every second of our lives. Could we just stop for a moment? Wow. God didn't just give us extrinsic things. He gave us uncreated gift. Jesus is uncreated gift, but the Holy Spirit is uncreated gift. God can never create that again. It is given unilaterally, unconditionally to you because of Jesus' faith in you. You can never lose the Holy Spirit. You might feel this morning like, yeah, I've kind of, well, yeah, like I've got Jesus, but Holy Spirit's a bit weird. (laughs) No, you have him. Never believe the lie that you don't, because I'm telling you, Satan loves playing this little game. Now, there's this verse in the Gospels that says the only unforgivable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And that is not something that you're doing. If you reject Jesus and you reject the whole deal, then yeah, eventually you'll blaspheme the Holy Spirit in the final judgment, because you're like, I don't want you. And that means you will go to hell. But right now, you will never lose that gift. He is yours. And Jesus died for you to have that assurance that the Holy Spirit dwells in you as a Christian. So I just want to blast that out. Like, you know, you have the Holy Spirit. He is with you in every moment. All you have to do is go, okay. I'm really attracted to that person. I have like all this erotic desire for everything in the world and everything's so good and I want it and I'm like, I want it above you and I have all these idols and I'm like completely all over the place. The Holy Spirit, you're there. Huh. And he'll do it. It's done. You just have to keep doing that. You just have to keep yielding. That's all I've done. I've had so many moments where I'm like, hello, pretty boy. <laughs> you know, like, I'm falling in love. <laughs> you know? And it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm just like, I want it now. It's the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, wow. And even when I fall, even when I make my bed in the depths of the earth, as the psalmist says, he's still there. Where can I flee from your presence? Height nor depth, angel nor demon. No sin can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You are never separated from him. It is finished. And he breathed out his ruah breath onto you. So that's just by the way of beginning. (laughs) In Matthew 3.11, says John the Baptist, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Love it. (laughs) 
And there's other things he says, he will salt you with fire. <laughs> you got to be a little bit of like a spiritual pyromaniac as a Christian, you know? Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit's just so good. <laughs> the inner burning of his presence is just like, I didn't, there's nothing better. I'm like, there's sin in my life. Get out of my way. I want that burning. I don't want that dullness. That might be you this morning. There was a real sense in prayer that people were feeling dry and kind of distant. There's a lot to make you feel that. And it's not always sin that does that. Sometimes it's just the suffering craziness of this world. (laughs) But I think this morning, the person of the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of the wonder of who you are in Christ and just how lovingly you are held by him. Before I was a Christian, I had this picture of God in my mind as this angry patriarch on a cloud that cruelly gave me desires that I never chose, never would provide a redemptive path for how that would look in a way that I could actually flourish, and then condemned me for having those desires. I can't describe to you how crazily bad that theology is. How much of a counterfeiting deception that is. And in America, that counterfeit image of God is alive and well. How do we get free from it? The Holy Spirit of God. He is the greatest iconoclast you will ever meet. He's like, that. No, that's not the Father. Nope, that's not Christ. Okay, this way. No, uh, 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 uh. no, 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 no. Okay, pray. <laughs> this is what your Father's like. I got to a point in my life as a Christian where I was trying to kind of find that love with people. And I kind of made an idol of friendship because I was celibate. So I was like, I have to have this intimate friendship. And God doesn't just take away your desires for friendship. He wants you to be with other humans intimately. But my eros had to be crucified. And I think until the Holy Spirit can take our loves and our desires into the cross where Jesus brought them to death to raise them to new life, we are stuck in a kind of alienation from God where we will make even something wonderful like marriage or friendship into an idol. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I learned that Christian maturity looks like being a baby in the arms of a tender-hearted, holy, blazing father. And Henry Nouwen says, and this quote has marked my life, he is a same-sex attracted Catholic priest. He said, the greatest enemy of the spiritual life is not popularity, power, money, all these kinds of things we worry about a lot in our Christian lives. The greatest enemy is self-rejection that contradicts the beloved voice of Jesus 
which calls us loved and is the core truth of our existence. What the Holy Spirit does is he comes into the deepest place in our lives, right beyond everything we desire, even to the deepest point of our hearts. And he takes up resonance there. So I'm going to share with you when that happened to me. <laughs> so there I am as this gay activist. I'm 19 years of age. I've had this very weird discussion with my uncle about the existence of God. And I hate Pentecostal charismatic Christians because they try to make gay people straight and take people's money and misuse it and scandals and all the things, <laughs> which is still happening today, unfortunately. <laughs> And in that moment, after I'd had that debate with my uncle, he actually had a prophetic word from God <laughs> that I would be saved in three months' time. And this was December 2008. And exactly three months later, I'm in a pub in the gay quarter of Sydney. There's like a rainbow flag flying and this girl is there, and she is a spirit-filled believer. She's not just like, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus, kind of distantly. She's like, holy fire. And I've been involved in all these New Age religions and Wicca, and, like, I had to burn all my spell books, and I had to, like, give up all my Buddhism when I eventually became a Christian. It was crazy. Just led someone in Helsinki, Finland to Christ, who was a New Age healer and had this crazy demonic dream the day be week before we arrived together at this <laughs> conference and we just led her to Christ. In, it was crazy. Like that. <laughs> Jehovah Sneaky. And anyway... There she is. She's wearing fabulous brooches, wonderful lipstick. She looks like Audrey Hepburn. Got it really picked the right evangelist for David Bennett. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> it's like so amazing. You make like films like about like disabled people. I'm like, I just really feel like this empathic, like deep connection with you because my uncle is disabled. So there you are. There was this kind of opening. I never in a million years would think that she was a Christian. Anyway, to cut a long story short, which you can read about in the book, she says to me, David, have you experienced the love of God? I was like, sorry. <laughs> it's like an experience. I mean, it's not just like a concept in your head from a Bible that you pretend exists or that all the gay people can suffer and all the women get excluded and then everyone dies and then you have power and then we all get oppressed and then everyone, yeah, great. She's like, no, have <laughs> you experienced the love of God? You know, I think our issue as human beings is not really, sin is the symptom. But the bigger problem we have is a problem of the mystery of suffering. And we as the church have undervalued that mystery. We haven't sat with the world in that mystery and said, yeah, we know it's really bizarre, but God is eventually slowly going to reveal bits and pieces of that mystery to you. And then that will lead you to even greater mystery. <laughs> I don't sit here before you today as a gay man going, I know all the answers about why God has let gay people be X or trans people X. Or All I know is that in that moment, something happened with the Holy Spirit 
and I was different and I could never be the same again. And so she prays for me and I hear this voice say, do you want me three times? The first question Jesus asks is, what do you want in the Gospel of John? And there was this deep, I'm going to use this word, it's a little bit scary for people who aren't academics, <laughs> deep erotic love that God was offering me, not a sexual love, but a love that goes beyond even the sexual, something so much deeper that we need to be broken open in us. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So Sarah Coakley says, first Freud must be, as it were, turned on his head. It is not that physical, physical sex is basic and God ephemeral, rather it is God who is basic and desire the precious clue that ever tugs at the heart, reminding the human soul, however dimly, of its created source. Hence, desire is more fundamental than sex. It is more fundamental ultimately because desire is an ontological category belonging primarily primarily to God and only secondarily to humans as a token of their createdness in that image. But in God, desire, of course, signifies no lack, as it manifestly does in humans. Rather, it connotes that plenitude of longing love that God has for God's own creation and for its full and ecstatic participation in the divine Trinitarian life. End quote. It's pretty intense theology going on there. <laughs> my point is, my sexual orientation was a clue to God, not actually the thing that disqualified me from him. And in that moment, as she prayed for me, I felt like this hovering sensation over my head and this oil being poured over my head. And it says in the Psalms, I have anointed my servant David with my sacred oil. And what is that oil? It's the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, that oil came over my head and I was like, whoa, Holy Spirit. But I didn't even know the terminology. I was like, the thing I'm created for, the thing I'm created for is here. And in this moment, this pinprick of light, as I said yes to the question, do you want me, came right into the center of my heart, right to the deepest place within me. And I felt oh, this breath filling me and this unspeakable love that I had never encountered in my life that pierced through this dark veil of death, confusion, and the desire to have absolute certainty. And in that moment, something changed in me forever. That love that I was looking for in the gay world was crucified towards loving this new lover. And I was redirected, rechanneled, all my eros, all my passionate desire. I'm Greek, like it's big, you know? I got a lot to give. <laughs> Jesus says those who are forgiven much love much, yeah. I was forgiven a lot because I had a lot of that love and I tried to give it, but it was really disordered and all over the place. That might be you this morning. You're like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> and in this moment, I hear this voice, will you accept my son Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I say, yes. And then the love of God was just poured out of my life. And Augustine 
in Confessions. Alberto and I were discussing this this morning. He says, Percusisti cor meum verbo tuo. You beat up my heart with your word. My heart was broken open like the rock in the desert. The living water just suddenly starts flowing within me and the fire of God's love coming down upon me and my whole body was just being cleared out as a holy tabernacle for this intimate love. Teresa of Avila adapted that in Augustine's Confessions to say, you pierced my heart with your word and I fell in love. It's not really a right adaptation, but that's okay. <laughs> in Romans 8, 26, 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And for the first time, I felt that help from the Holy Spirit to take all the brokenness and disorder and confusion and bad attempts at finding conclusions to the mystery through various very artistic boyfriends. <laughs> and I felt for the first moment this divine empathy and identification with me as a person. The Holy Spirit, person to person, spirit to spirit, word to word, and through Christ, body to body intimacy, that no sexual intimacy can fulfill, not even any human friendship can fulfill. It is a special place deep within us that only he fills and is reserved for him. And if we don't live first from that place with the Holy Spirit, we will end up making everything which was meant to be good <laughs> bad. Wick, John Wycliffe, the reformer, says, unless God gives uncreated good to us, we can't receive created good. And here is the Holy Spirit helping me as this fiery gay man <laughs> to give myself to God. And this happens eventually in Strasbourg, France, where I decide I'm going to be celibate and I'm going to give up my great treasure because I've received an even greater treasure from Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And I said to myself, I just don't want anything in my life that gets in the way of this. This is too precious. And Lord, if, you know, I know I don't really understand the whole gay thing, but like, I just want to give it to you. I just want to surrender it. And I just don't want to take it back until you say or how you say. And to this day, he's always said, just keep on keeping on. <laughs> and I will provide everything according to my riches and glory through my spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, 2, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So after she prays for me, I have this crazy experience. I go home, I'm in my sleep, and I've got like this, ooh, water, like flowing within me as I'm sleeping. And John 7, 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. This comes from Ezekiel 47, where the future temple is envisaged as this river coming into the world that refreshes and changes and regenerates it. And as this water sensation gets stronger and stronger in this mid-conscious state, the Holy Spirit just 
bursts forth, and I'm like, Shakura Baba, I start speaking in tongues in my sleep. I'm like, oh, I'm part of a cult. Ah. My mom comes in in her nighty because she was a Christian, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. Help me. <laughs> this weird language came out of my mouth. I've never been to a charismatic church. I didn't even know what charismatic was. I was like, and she's like, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, 2, that you speak in mysteries. And I'm like, and I took the Bible and I threw it against the wall. And I'm like, I hate that book. <laughs> happy with the Holy Spirit. I'm not happy with the Bible. And eventually the Holy Spirit taught me that the Bible was trustworthy through all of the experiences I had with him. Now, I want to land this on a message of inclusion. The Holy Spirit is the greatest includer I've ever met. Even when I'm like, ooh, that tests me a little bit. Like, that person's a heretic, Lord. They think this and this about doctrine. And I'm right. And I'm the mind of the flesh is like, I'm just going to just not include anyone here. <laughs> They're sinners. <laughs> but I'm a saint, <laughs> and I've lost my humility. <laughs> I haven't really been spending much time with you, Holy Spirit, but I'm a Christian, and I know what I think, because I'm... You all know that voice? <laughs> and he's like, included, included, loved, wanted. Are you that evangelist to see his inclusion it doesn't mean it compromises truth. You don't have to be afraid. He is the spirit of truth, but he's a radical includer. He says in Joel 2, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, or people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions in pubs, in the gay quarter of Sydney. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We're living in those days. Come on, church. Come on. The political idolatry, throw it in the bin. You have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. America, will you give up the idolatry that is getting in the way of His work? Black, white, male, female, gay, straight, transgender, cisgender, He has included every person. Through Jesus Christ. Don't get in the way of that. Hold on to the truth. But don't get in the way of his inclusive embrace of every sacred, sacred person that he has created. Guys, I get, I just get kind of ready to preach that. Now that doesn't mean there isn't sin. That doesn't mean there aren't things people are drawn to do in all of those categories that are not okay. And our eros is broken. Our eros puts us in all sorts of political, social, relational situations which do not please God and grieve the Holy Spirit and put out the flame of his love. But we all together as one body need to realize that through agape, through Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, 
Eros has been ennobled in agape. And Pope Benedict, Alberto's favorite theologian, <laughs> maybe, maybe after Augustine, says, in Deus Caritas Est, that this is what God did to save us. He ennobled our eros that was broken and disordered and went everywhere. And he redeemed it through the agape of the Trinitarian life. And that Holy Spirit we have received applies that redemptive work to our own desire life and transforms our disordered desires, whether gay, straight, male, female, black, white, whatever it looks like. And we're able to model an alternative, redemptive plan that is so attractive, everyone will hopefully leave the other solutions behind. So I'm going to land there with one last quote from St. Basil the Great, because he's the great theologian of the Holy Spirit. I should give him a read. He says, love of God is not something that can be taught. We do not, we did not learn from someone else how to rejoice in light or want to live or to love our parents and guardians. We all know that can be hard. <laughs> it is the same, perhaps even more so, with our love for God. It does not come by another's teaching, end quote. It is something imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. And the two edges of that are the fear of the Lord, which is clean and pure and will keep your identities from going into disordered directions, <laughs> and the love of God, which burns like a flame within you and cannot be put out. In Thessalonians 5, 19, it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit or do not put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. If there's ever any voice or anything in your life that says, yeah, just ignore the Holy Spirit. No, that is not from God. <laughs> and it can sometimes look very Christian. So I'm gonna transition from here now to just pray for us. And we're gonna have a time of ministry. And if there's anything that resonated with you in that, that talk, it's my week offering. <laughs> which I hope came with a display of the Spirit's power, just to come and know the person of the Holy Spirit afresh. So Father God, I just pray for a holy consecration on this church, a coming on of power in the Holy Spirit. I pray for the impartation of gifts and a spirit of prayer and worship that longs above all for the Holy Spirit in His presence. I pray for parts of our identities we have let become idolatrous or which we have sinfully hidden for fear of not being truly loved and known by God and others. I pray, Holy Spirit, release those now. And if that's you, come forward. I pray for deeper intimacy with you, Holy Spirit. I pray for a personal and intimate closeness where you might be quenched or grieved by our sin. And finally, Jesus. <laughs> Come, Jesus, in the center of this room and do your magnificent ministry that delivers us from self-rejection, from alienation, from an orphanhood spirit Bring songs of deliverance, Jesus, 
where people are dry, release their song. Release the deepest place of their hearts where you bind up the brokenhearted. You set free the captive God. You bring good news and complete forgiveness where there is deep pain and deep sin. So if that's any part of that sermon just resonated with you, we're going to be up here to pray. But if you would just like to have a moment with God, just come forward in the worship. Thank you so much, guys.